You can cry on command. And that is why I decided to create this. Welcome to Free Talk, the show to help you learn English the fun and simple way. Ready? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Free Talk Podcast, the show where we have one objective to take your English to the next level, the fun and simple way. My name is Alan, and I am your super handsome host, coming to you from the heart of Mexico City. Before we move to today's topic, I would like to tell you something a little unrelated. At the beginning of last episode, I let you know why our episode 24, Reduction of At, was such a fiasco, a horrible episode. The topic was, I think, very interesting, but the episode in general was horrible. Now, ironically, that episode, our worst episode to date, is our most downloaded episode ever. Over 500 downloads, which lets me know that you were genuinely interested in that topic. And for that reason, I am going to re-record that episode. I will record that episode again. Now, this time, I will make sure that the microphone is plugged in. We will double-check the audio settings so that you can listen to that information as it was originally planned and make the most of that information. Um, I hope I will find the time to do so in, in a few days. I just need to, to find the time to do it, but you will have that episode again. Okay? Perfect. Now, let's jump into today's topic. Uh, by now, you are surely asking yourself for my reasons to make this episode, right? Because always I have uh, some uh, source that uh, gives me an idea to make an episode. So let me tell you the reasons for this episode. Um, as of today, I am only a few pages left to finishing a book that I am reading. is The Dead Zone by Stephen King. And this is actually the first time that I read this author. For a long time, I had been wanting to read him. Uh, mostly because I have seen some of the movies that have been made based on his novels. And I find them, the movies, very well done. The Shining, it's a beautiful movie by Stanley Kubrick, starring Jack Nicholson. It, that 
horrible clown who terror terrorized me during my entire childhood. And there is also a movie for this book, the book that I am reading right now. And it's called, of course, The Dead Zone. And it's starring Christopher Walken and uh, Brooke Adams. Anyway, I, I bought this book about two years ago. And it was just getting old on my bookshelf until I finally got around to read it. And that means to get around to do something. It means that I finally found the time to do it, to read the book. I got around to do it. And at this point, I must say that the book doesn't disappoint. It's very well written. It is exciting. It has a good, uncanny story. Uncanny, that is U-N-C-A-N-N-Y. Uncanny means mysterious, inexplicable, maybe even supernatural, which is, as I've been told, the line that Stephen King usually follows in his writing. That is his style. But this episode is not about this book, but about one of the incidents, uh, one of the, the, the things that happened within this story that is not really essential to the plot. Plot, P-L-O-T, that is the argument, the storyline of the book. But it's, I mean, it's not part of the plot, but it's a really interesting topic. And I am talking about the Watergate scandal the Watergate scandal. So this is um, something that belongs to American history, American politics, then it transcended into uh, American culture, pop culture, and, uh, well, this is a, a rather complex topic because there, uh, there is a lot of legal and political technicalities, but I will try to make it as simple as possible. And before I go on, I would like to make here a, a brief interruption to talk about the importance of getting yourself immersed in the language. In this case, of course, English. If you are listening to this podcast, which you are, of course, that is because you are learning English as a second language, which most likely, so the, 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 there are chances are that you are not living in the United States or any other English-speaking country. Maybe you are. That's possible, too. But at least with the information I have from my listeners, 
statistically, you are not living in the United States. And using this podcast is going to help you close that gap, that space that exists between not understanding authentic language and understanding it. And what I am trying to say is that you should try as much and as often as possible to watch and listen and read content that is coming from real American sources. Well, American or British or Australian or whatever. But I mean from people whose first language is English. Of course, I am not telling you to stop listening to my show. No, 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 no. Don't you ever do that. But try to listen to the radio, watch TV shows, read the papers, read the books, watch the news, and so on. Because when you do that, not only are you learning and acquiring the target language, but you are also exploring the country's culture. And that is determinant. Language is heavily influenced by the cultural context of its speakers and vice versa. So they are complementing and influencing each other, uh, language and the culture. So why am I saying this right now? Because when you consume the content, topics like this, like the thing we are going to discuss right now, are easier to understand and to make sense of. Because this is such a cultural and American thing that you are going to find it a lot of times in a lot of different contexts. So if you start uh, as much as possible uh, getting yourself immersed in the content, these things are going to appear so much more often and you will start enjoying them as well. Okay, now let's resume. So what is the Watergate scandal? Well, Watergate was a major political scandal that occurred in the United States, sorry, in the United States in the 1970s. It was caused, it was originated first by a break-in at the Democratic National Committee. A break-in, that is V-R-E-A-K-I-N, those are two words, break-in, is a, a crime, a, a felony, that happens when people enter a property that is not theirs without any authorization, all right? So if somebody breaks into your house, they usually do it at night when you are sleeping or when you are not home. And most of the times it is perpetrated with the intention of stealing or robbing your 
belongings. That is a break in. That is a crime. People enter your house or any house without permission and usually they take things. So, in this particular case, some people broke in the Democratic National Committee, which is an institution that belongs to the United States Democratic Party, one of the two major political parties in the United States. So, in, 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 um, in politics in the United States, there are a, well there are two two big parties, two big political parties. This one, the Democratic Party, these guys are the liberals. Uh-huh. We could say the left wing party. So they are the, the liberal party. For example, right now on 2016 uh, we have well there is an election a process to elect the new president of the United States and right now uh, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders are the candidates to become the nominees for this party, the Democratic Party. The other party is the Republican Party and it's commonly referred to as the GOP. GOP is an acronym that stands for Grand Old Party. Okay, so the GOP, the Grand Old Party, that is the Republican Party. In this election, again, the Republican candidates this year, at least the ones that continue in the race, are Donald Trump, um, Ted Cruz, and John Kasich. Uh, just a couple of hours ago, uh, Senator Marco Rubio was still on the race, but at the time of this uh, recording, he has abandoned the race. He has suspended his campaign. Okay, but let's not talk about politics for a second. Okay, so resuming, some people broke in the offices of the Democratic Party in June, the year 1972, 1972, on the month of June. So why? Why did these people break into that building? Well. The man who was the president of the United States during that period was Richard Nixon. And in 1972, he announced his campaign to be re-elected, to be president again. Now, Nixon, being a politician, had some dirty tricks under his sleeve. He, he was a politician and he wanted to be re-elected at all cost. Okay, so in, in June 1972, 
five people broke into the Democratic Party offices, and these offices were located in the Watergate complex, a group of offices in Washington, D.C. The objective of this illegal infiltration was, they say, to take photographs of campaign documents and install listening devices in telephones. This practice is known as wire taping or bugging. So these Democratic Party offices were the offices or of the, the rival party. So the president, Richard Nixon, he was a Republican. He was the president, he was a Republican, he was uh, going to run for office again, he was going to have a campaign to be the president again, and his rivals were in the Democratic Party. So then this activity that they did on the break-in was to collect information from their competition, right? That is why they installed these listening devices in telephones so that they could listen to what these people were, were saying in those offices. They were trying to get information of their campaigns so that they could do something about it, okay? This, of course, is espionage and it, it's, it's illegal. Um, so they did it. Um, they they wiretape uh, the, the, the offices and they put listening devices, microphones, and this worked for a little while. So during some time, this, uh, this thing that they did was working. But soon after, so it was not really long, the phones uh, were well, they were to be repaired. So people in the offices said, we need to repair the phones. And when they do that, they discover that that uh, the phones have been intervened, that they need to, to call the police because they discovered that uh, somebody was listening to their, their conversations in the offices. And... When they, when they discovered this, they also discovered that at that exact time, there were five men in the building. So they, they caught these guys. They discovered these, these guys there. Uh, and, well, they called the police. These five people were arrested. And uh, in that moment, this infiltration was over. And when this news broke, when it was discovered, President Nixon, the, the President of the United States, at a press conference, he said, I can say categorically that no one in the White House staff, no one in this administration presently employed was involved in this bizarre incident. So he was saying, I know what's going on, but I can assure you that we, I mean, me or any of the people 
who are working here in this administration, they were not involved in this incident. Now, after that, of course, an investigation followed, and it was a very long investigation. In fact, some people described this investigation as the most thorough investigation since the assassination of Kennedy, of President Kennedy. Now, Toroff, that is T-H-O-R-O-U-G-H, Toroff. This means executed without negligence or omissions, complete, extremely attentive to detail. So it was a, a very thorough investigation. And as part of this investigation, it was discovered the existence of some audio tapes that contained recordings from the White House. And uh, the court asked for those tapes because they were evidence that was going to help uh, and to help sol to, to solve this this whole incident and president nixon refused to release them so he said no i will not give you those tapes but eventually he was forced he was obliged to give the transcriptions of those tapes and the content of those transcriptions was not really a proof of guilt to the president. Uh -huh. So this was not something incriminatory to the president. So he was not being uh, blamed for all the incident. But the content of these tapes revealed, as Time magazine wrote, an indictable offense. They showed Nixon contemptuous of the United States, its institutions, and its people. So they were not, in that moment, showing any um, actions of the president in the breaking, but they were showing that he was acting not very presidential, you know, so he was like not being very respectful of the United States or its people. And the majority of the Republican Party, so his uh, colleagues, we could say, because he was a Republican, they believed that Nixon, Nixon should step down as quickly as possible. Step down. That is, that he should resign, stop being president. And, and they were disturbed by the bad language and the coarse, vindictive tone of the conversations in the transcripts. So again, what I, what I just mentioned, he was uh, using language and he was speaking in a way that was not what you would expect from a president. And people were really, really angry about this. People didn't like this kind of behavior and this kind of language in 
a president. And, um, well, again, this investigation went on and on, and later on the investigation, the original tapes were released. So the original audio, not the transcriptions, the audio was released, was made public, and they showed that President Nixon was indeed part of the cover-up. So he was now being an active part of the of this of this crime of this felony because he knew about it so maybe he did not organize it he did not plan it he did not order people to break in the in the offices but he knew about this and he was obstructing justice and that is also a crime so there was one final tape in this investigation uh, and this tape was known as the smoking gun tape and the release of this final tape destroyed Nixon politically mm -hmm. so he was in that moment after the release of that final tape Nixon uh, Nixon's political career was finished and realizing that he had no chance of staying in office, Nixon decided to resign. So he finally did what people were expecting him to do. And he announced that to the American people on a nationally televised address on the evening of August 8, 1974. So this is roughly two years after the original incident. That's how long this investigation was. And when he, he said this to um, the national uh, community, to the American people, he became the first president in the history of the United States in resigning the presidency before the end of his period. So that was a one-time case. He was the first president ever to resign to, to office, to presidency. And, um, well, in that moment, Gerald Ford was the vice president at the time of Nixon's resignation, and then he became president. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, he, I mean, Nixon stepped down, he resigned, Gerald Ford became the president. And Gerald Ford, on September 8, the same year, 1974, he issued, so he announced, he made formal a full and unconditional pardon of Nixon. So what is this? What does this mean? That he was immunizing him from prosecution for any crimes he had committed or may have committed or taking part in as president. So the pardon, when a president uh, pardons uh, a, a, another uh, 
person, what they are doing is that they are giving them, like they said, immunization. So they said, okay, so maybe you, you committed some crimes when you were president, when you were in office. These crimes were at a federal level. But now we give you a pardon and now uh, you will not face the law for having committed these crimes. So former president Nixon was innocent now of any possible charge and he would not face legal consequences. So that's basically this Watergate scandal. It's a, a, a situation of corruption involving the president of the United States, the uh, eventual resignation of the president, and uh, it marks something in American history. But this whole scandal is part not only of American history, but has translated into popular culture as well, and not only in the United States. Because since this scandal, the suffix gate, so the last part of this word, water gate, G-A-T-E, has, I mean, it's now a suffix that is a word that we add at the end of a word. And this suffix gate has been used to describe other scandals that have gained notoriety in the media. For example, in the, in the arts and entertainment, we can mention the Selefgate. Selefgate, like in celebrity and gate. Selefgate. In 2014, when more than 500 private pictures were made public, these were pictures by, uh, from celebrities, uh, from famous people, and some of them containing nude pictures. So maybe you remember uh, Jennifer Lawrence nude uh, pictures. So this was uh, a big scandal and it was known popularly, commonly as the Selef Gate. There was also something uh, called the, uh, the Donut Gate, the Donut Gate in 2015, where Ariana Grande, the singer, was caught on camera licking some donuts at a store. Uh, in journalism, there was the Reuters Gate, Reuters Gate in 2006, where a photographer from Reuters, uh, this uh, journalist uh, agency, I think it's a photo agency, this, uh, this photograph, uh, this photographer was discovered manipulating news photos with Photoshop. So that was the Reuters Gate. It was something that was notoriously popular. And of course, you maybe remember the Monica Gate or the Lewinsky Gate, that infamous scandal about the inappropriate relationship between uh, then-President Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. So the list is countless, it's huge. And as I told you in the beginning, it goes to show how, at least partially, the culture 
influences the way we talk, the way we name things, and the way we decide to use language. And I am positive that if you start digging through the content of American media, you will find something about this scandal. Maybe uh, a Nixon's picture or a Nixon's reference in some TV shows or cartoons. Some of the things said in the case, maybe a reference to that, the use of the suffix gate, anything. And when you do so, I will be happy to know about it. Yeah, just let me know. Alan, I, I, I found something about Watergate that it was mentioned here on this series, here on this book, here on this short story. And I would love to know when you find it, because I am sure that you will. And now, uh, to finish this long episode, let's have a very quick word on pronunciation. Okay, so today we will talk yet again about reduction. And today is the turn for the indefinite article A. That's just the letter A, first letter of the alphabet. Now, as you surely know, the article A is used before singular countable nouns that begin with consonant sounds. For example, teacher. Teacher is a singular countable noun and, and this, this noun begins with the sound of t, t, teacher. So we say a teacher, a teacher. We don't say, for instance, he is teacher, he is teacher. That is incomplete. We say he is a teacher, he is a teacher. Mm -hmm. Other examples, I don't have a car, I don't have a car. Car, singular, countable noun, beginning with the sound k. I don't have a car. Okay? You saw a dog in the street. You saw a dog in the street. A dog in the street. Etc. Now, because the article a or a is equivalent to one, to the number one, we don't use it with plural nouns. So we don't say I have a cars, right? We say I have cars or I have two cars, four cars, a lot of cars, etc. Okay, so a or a is singular. Now, Talking about pronunciation, we can pronounce the article as A, as the sound of the letter, or as A. Mm -hmm. So you can say A car or A car. Both are completely acceptable. However, the latter, that is the second pronunciation, is much more common. So A uh, car is better. A car, it's okay. A car, that's better. But 
when we use this article in a sentence, as Americans love to do, the sound is going to be reduced. So the sound of a uh is already short, but they will reduce it even more. Do you remember the sound schwa? That sound that is just like a gasp producing a little vibration on your chest. Ah, ah. Well, that is exactly the sound. So let's check the example. First one. The, the example is it's a present. It's a present. Mm -hmm. It is a present. But when we pronounce this sentence, the sounds are going to connect naturally to one another, and the sound of the article a uh, will become a. Uh, uh. So it's it's a present. It's a, it's a, it's a present. It's a, okay. So it there now. It's not it's a present. We say it's a. You see the schwa? It's a, it's a present. It's a, it's a present. It's a present. It's a present. Right? Okay. Let's move to the rest. Okay. So next, next uh, example. You need a break. You need a break. Now the pronunciation is going to be you need a you need a you need a break. You need a break. Okay, so it's almost invisible. We can almost not listen to this sound, but it's it's there. So you say you need a you need a break. You need a you need a break. Okay? Let's see this one. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. What is the pronunciation? Give him give him chance. Give him a chance. Give him give him a chance. Give him a chance. Give him okay? Give him give him a chance. Give him a chance. It's a present. You need a break. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. Okay? Next one. Is that a computer? Is that a computer? We will pronounce this as is as is that a computer? Is that is that is that a computer? Is that is that a computer? Is that a computer? Is that a computer? Is that a, is that a computer? Okay. And finally, where's a public telephone? Where's a public telephone? We are going to pronounce this as where's 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 the public telephone? Where's where's Okay, so in all these examples, the sound of the article a uh, or a is reduced to the sound of schwa, which is just a. Uh. It's, it's a present. It's a present. You need a break. You need a. You need a break. You need a break. 
Give him a chance. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. Is that a computer? Is that a computer? Where's the public telephone? Where's the public telephone? Okay? It's a present. You need a break. Give him a chance. Is that a computer? Where's the public telephone? All right? Okay. Perfect. So that is going to be the end of this episode. And you will find the transcription to this episode on the blog post in our website, www.freetalkingles.com slash podcast. There, you can also leave me your comments, questions and suggestions. And while you are there, make sure to check all the other content we have created, the videos, we have a couple of articles. And if you haven't, make sure you get a copy of your free course to learn how to make the best out of your English learning experience. The course is completely free. I really don't know what you're waiting for. We will meet again next Wednesday for a new episode and stay tuned for the uh, re-upload of the episode about the reduction of at. I will see you soon and remember to keep it simple. I have never been a quitter. To leave office before my term is completed is abhorrent to every instinct in my body. But as president, I must put the interests of America first. America needs a full-time president and a full-time Congress, particularly at this time with problems we face at home and abroad, to continue to fight through the months ahead for my personal vindication would almost totally absorb the time and attention of both the President and the Congress in a period when our entire focus should be on the great issues of peace abroad and prosperity without inflation at home. Therefore, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. Vice President Ford will be sworn in as president at that hour in this office.